T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about unlocking doors. They just got done speaking with their founder, president, and CEO, Christina Melton Crane. Right now, I'm going to talk to an advocate, a person that has been a part of unlocking doors. And I'm not even sure for how long, but we're going to get to that. Her name is Dina Terrell. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, We were kind of discussing before we started what we were going to start off with. And I think the best way to do that is just to figure out how you found Unlocking Doors. When did you start this organization and how did you find it? Okay, I guess the best way to begin is at the beginning. Um, I served eight years for uh, a manslaughter charge, um, domestic violence. I did every day of that eight years. The day before I was supposed to be released, uh, this little little old lady came by with red hair and uh, she saw me. But prior to me meeting her... I went there. I got a land. The land basically tells you, you know, where your appointments are going to be in TDC when you're in prison. Okay. So I was really excited about this because I had actually seen Unlocking Doors three years prior in the Echo, which is our newspaper, our prison newspaper, which is distributed all throughout the prison, male and female. So with that, um, I kept the ad. I got the word back for it. You know, come on, come see us, you know. So I was really looking forward to it. So this particular day, um, I had just moved in. Um, I had been a bad girl, and they finally G4'd me, which is pretty much medium custody. Um, yeah, that's a long story also. <laughs> so, like, just basically what does that mean when you're G4'd? Um, well, when you're first coming, you're considered G2, which is general population. Um, G4 is when you kind of start acting up, and I had got to the point where I felt really defeated. So I started acting up, and I started fighting and things of that nature, and which got to me G4'd. Um so I was locked down quite often. They only let you out by maybe four hours of the day. And so that's where I was at my last 44 days of prison. How big is your how big was your cell when you were locked in for, you know, 20 hours a day? It's about a, um, what they say, a five by nine. It, it's it's really, little. Okay. It's a bunk bed. You have your commode and you have a desk that's probably maybe about three feet wide. And you have one chair that you share with another offender. All right. So you were in with someone else in that in that cell. Yes. Cell block locked behind a steel door. OK. Yes. So for the last uh, portion mm-hmm. over a month, almost two months, I guess is what you're saying. You yes. were at this level um, of custody, and, of custody, mm-hmm. and then you—is this when you found unlocking doors? Actually, I found it prior, but I found myself being locked and enclosed so much that I really was mostly thinking about what I wanted to do when I got out. Like I cannot do this, and it wasn't me. I was angry at the time because I always considered myself to be a very intelligent person. I've always held great jobs. I've been a librarian in prison. Um, I've been in charge of. Uh, laundry. I've run the kitchen by myself, hands down, but I've always been an authoritative person in there. And and a lot of people always looked up to me there, but I had just came to my wits end because I never understood why they made me do all my time. Okay. So so you're at the end and it's maybe the worst time for you. Yes. Okay. Yes. But you still had the foresight to know that you had to do something to get out and that you were getting out mm-hmm. and you felt that unlocking doors is going to be the way for you to to succeed? Yes, yes. Or were you afraid about coming back? Why did you want this help? What were you really looking to get out of it? Um, 
Well, when you're coming out of prison, it's very, um, everything you do, there's no email, there's no phone contact. It's everything you do is through the mail. So it's a, a, a level on, of uncertainty there as regards to, are they getting this mail? Um, are, am I really going to have a place to stay and things of that nature? But one thing that stood up by locking doors that it was consistent. They were always in the paper. I was like, okay, well, they haven't gone out of business because that's one of the bigger things. Numbers are disconnected all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I actually thought that, you know, it was stable. And that's what you're looking for when you're in prison stability. It's hard to... It's hard to grasp onto something if you can't hold it, it's not tangible in your hands. So the idea of always seeing unlocking doors, this must be a big issue. So I was always there looking at this. So that particular day, which was one day before my release date, the little old lady came in with red hair. And um, before I went out, my land was for 1.30 that day. So I sat there for 45 minutes. Now, apparently she had to pick up her grandson. And so they said, well, Dina, go back to your cell. Go back to your cell. And I was like, no, I don't want to go. I said, I need to talk to Doris because I got to go home. I got to go home. And so I ended up having to go back to my cell. So like 10 minutes later, they're like, Dina, let's go. Jackson, let's go. Let's go. Like, you know, that was my former name. And they had me go down there and I ran. I don't even think I had my pants on good because I, I shut out that door. <laughs> I ran all the way down Main Street. They're like, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. I'm going home. So I'm walking, running, running, running. And this little lady was like, I don't know why they sent you back because they always know I'm going to show up. And she has a reputation because I was in the library. I said, she's not here. I felt I felt like, man, where is she at? But it was all it was all just a misunderstanding. But when I got to her, do you know that she talked to my auntie? Already in Chicago, she said, your auntie says she loves you. And, you know, if you need anything, call her. I was like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> you know, they're already out there in the world working for me. And I haven't even told them anything yet. But they had, uh, when I sat down with her, she had all my information. Everything about me was already written down there. From me to my kids to my education, everything. And she just built on that from what I told her. Real quick, because we kind of sought to paint the story of you of you leaving. So you'd been in for eight years. Yes. Were you going to be just released because you had to do all your time, or were you going to have to go through parole? Well, the thing about that, it's like a catch-22. You don't want to be on paper. I did all my time, so of course I'm not on paper. But with that, if you're not paroled, you don't have a parole officer to hold your hand and guide you to the services that you require to help you with housing, to help you with if you need food stamps or you need a, just a pair of shoes. Yeah. And they don't have that for you when you're a um, how do I say um, when you're just being released, when you're just a, a, a timeout, when you do everything. I've done every part of my day. So I'm pretty much thrown to the wolves. Okay. I have nothing, nothing. Not to so nothing. For, because I, I think that, you know, uh, for a lot of people that don't understand this, this stuff, it would seem like parole would be like oh, something else I have to do after all that time that I've already spent. Now I got to do parole, too. But what you're saying is, is that a lot of times. It's actually kind of helpful Very because at least so. you have somebody that can help even just a little bit. Yes. Um, a lot of them help them with cell phones. They may help them with housing. It's because that is a guideline in order for them to complete their parole. Gotcha. If they do not have or do certain things that they're told to do, then they end up violating and going back things of that nature. But with me being a person that finished all their time, I don't have those resources. So I'm left to my own to actually figure out what I'm going to do when I get out because I don't have a parole to say, hey, can you help me with a cell phone? No, no. I don't have anybody. Can you help me? Can you come pick me up from the train station or bus station so that I can you know, be at your office? Or do you have a place where I can go get clothes? I, do, I had to do everything on my own from the inside. And that can be very, very hard because a lot of places are disconnected. There's no phone contact. 
nothing. You're just writing letters and letters aren't what we do now, I could barely find a post office. I didn't know how to act when I couldn't find a post office. I'm like, you're gonna, where's the post you're office? You're going to have a hard time finding stamps. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the things that we did want to, uh, that I did want to discuss because eight years, okay? Eight yes. years is an unbelievably long time. But nowadays, eight years, with it's probably 20 years a few decades ago. Mm-hmm. So was there anything that you noticed? That, like, What was something that was really different or something that kind of blew your mind when you got out that you maybe didn't even know about? Well, you were reintroduced. At the time, it wasn't funny, but it's funny now. I went to Wendy's, and I was just getting off the bus, and so I had what my check. They give you $100 when you uh, finish all your time. So I was really hungry, and I was like, man, I'm going to have my first real cheeseburger, and it's not it's not soybean. So I was really excited. That's, like a good, that's, a good, that's a good choice. Yeah, I wanted, like, ridiculously like, huge. So... Uh, <laughs> so I went to the Wendy's, and I placed my order, first of all, Nine ten dollars for a cheeseburger just blew my mind. The price was one. Yeah. So then it gave me the cup. So I got the cup and I said, "Oh, it's self serve." So I'm thinking I'm just gonna press a button and put put it in there. Well, I walk up to this massive thing that looks like a like a super brain, and I look at it and stare at it. And I'm like, "Okay, what do I do next?" Because there's like 18 buttons, and I don't know where to get ice from. I don't know what I press, and I'm just like, and I'm looking there. And at the time, it, it, it I felt so stupid. It's just that small little thing made me feel so stupid. So I'm standing there. I had been standing for a moment. And I looked behind me and I see the lady that was actually taking my order. And I looked at her and I was like, that's the first thing you got to learn in prison is to ask for help. And it's going to make me cry. Um, I said, can you help me? And I said, I don't know how to use this. And I told her, I'm not ashamed. I said, I just got out of prison and I don't know how to use this soda machine. And she was really sweet. And I would never have guessed someone to be that sweet over something like that because I will figure they will laugh at me and that's what's scared of. And that's one thing about coming to prison, you got to ask for help because that's what puts us in prison in the first place. And but it was, it's still funny, but it is kind of sad to me. It's the little things that we take for granted. And that right there was crazy, but now I know how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're, you're out now and uh, it, it's time for unlocking doors. Oh, wow. So how how long did you go there immediately? Did you have a little bit of time in between being released and finding unlocking doors? Actually, this is how this happened. I got off the bus and I was told that I had a place to stay. Well, when I called the place, I did not have a place to stay. Now I'm here homeless. I've uh, used up my change. I'm like getting food and when I really should have been worried about where I was going to stay. Well, like I said before, uh, Rex, who's actually was my caseworker at the time, had, uh, I guess, been talking to my Auntie Joan in Chicago. Well, they uh, they were like, um, you know, when you get out, give us a call, so on and so forth. So I got on the phone and I called my Auntie Joan. And my Auntie Joan said, you better call Rex. I said, call Rex? I said, okay, I'm, I'm call, I'll call Rex because she was adamant about that. So I called Rex. Rex asked the phone, I think it was like 3.20-something that same day. They had just got off the bus. I had just, I still had my commissary bag in my hand. I still had on my TDCJ gray shoes. And I was like, I'm homeless. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to sleep in a bus station. I've already got this in my mind. I'm going to sleep in a bus station. So I got in contact with Rex. And I know it was probably about time for him to go. But he was like, so what do you need? I said, I need a place to lay my head. I said, can you please, you know, all the homeless shelters were full. There was nowhere for me to go, nowhere. And within, like, I say about 40 minutes, I had a place to go by 8 o'clock that night. I had a place to lay my head, thanks to doors. 
what have you gotten out of Unlocking Doors once you finally found it? Um, you know, we can talk about kind of like the, the big picture because mm-hmm. it's given you a lot. Yes. But what were some of the services that you that you partook in to help you on the road that you're on now? Well, with Doors, um, one thing I like about it is not just a program per se. It's it's more of a I don't know. I guess a, a, they hold your hand through a lot of things, and you need that because that's that that you you're insecure when you come out. Um, because you're not sure if they're going to accept it. I, for a long time, felt like people were looking at me and like just knew I was from prison. You know, I really was weird like that because mm. I had been gone for that long time. So when I first got with Doors, I, I, I had my appointment card, of course, so I was going to go anyway, but I would never have thought there would be the people to actually find a place to lay my head. So mm. I had my appointment. That was for that Thursday. So I get in there, and it's this beautiful like office, really nice office. And I meet with Rex and Rex is like, okay, let's hear your auntie Jones says hi. I'm like, hi, you're talking to my auntie more than me. (laughs) So I'm sitting there and we go through, he gets into paperwork and it's like a questionnaire to basically, it's like kind of almost like a, how do you say personality test? So they see where you are and also test your skills, what you have. And it made me feel good to put down that. Yes, I'm computer lit. Yes, that I'm able to, you know, handle this, that, and a third, or I'm a receptionist, or I have a great speaking voice, so on and so forth. Because when you're getting out of prison, the first thing they think is a prison and you're done. Yeah. And I'm far from that. And so I didn't want that label. And filling out that questionnaire actually put me on that level that, okay, I'm going to tell them everything I do so I can get the best services I can. Did it make you feel good? Like, once you saw it on paper, did you yes. kind of forget what you were really capable of? Very much so. Um, even though I did have jobs that uh, utilize those talents, it's nothing like giving yourself self accolades when you see it on yeah. paper and black and white. It's like, man, I'm ready for it. Let's do this. And that's the way I felt. I'm like, I'm ready to do this. Let's get out here. Let's do this. So after they got my paperwork and everything, I went and met with Rex. And that same day, he was on it. I'm talking about jobs, bus passes, everything. It was that same day that I was able to, okay, you're going to go to this job. Now, every job didn't work out, but I guarantee you, if it didn't work out or something was awry or crazy, I came and said, hey, this is not working. Let's try something else. And sure enough, okay, on the same line. Okay, go here. And that's what happens. So, I mean, they jumped on the case immediately and yes. hooked you up immediately with just ideas and services and all that stuff. Did it immediately give you that 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 kind of deep breath feeling where you're like, okay, I'm yes. not out of the woods yet, but at least, I, at least I know something is happening. You know how you're really, really cold and you need a blanket and you're shivering? That's pretty much what Dora to make me feel like. I felt like I was like, okay. I can do this because I know that they have my back. And I am from Chicago. I have no family here whatsoever. So that's also extra strike in itself. To be able to put that much confidence indoors was a big deal for me because I am a very um, self-sufficient person more so. And it's for me to actually have doors help me the way they did and put my trust in them as completely as I did is a big deal for me. It's really, really a big deal for me. And so... I had no problems. Anything that I needed, I know I go to. I don't care if it was like a pair of shoes. I could go to them and say, you know what? I need some shoes. Or I need a place for, like for, like I'm getting my teeth done or I need a car. They mm. can help me with anything, anything. And, and I love that. Who Who is your contact at Unlocking Doors? Everyone. I walk in and hug everybody. I walk in there like I own the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> Um, I just, I am such a big advocate for doors. I mean, even today with the position I hold, I advocate doors above anything um, because I know that they're, they're actually have what you need. 
they will get you if they don't have it or they they don't have a person that can, they're going to find that person. Yeah. There is something in that circle that is going to help you. Period. Point blank. Period. There's nothing that I can say. I can go to the door and say, "Huh? Can I get this?" They're going to have it. So Unlocking Doors as an organization has helped you, and everybody that works in Unlocking Doors has helped you. Yes. But the person that probably has helped you the most has been... Rex. Rex. Yeah. <laughs> so Rex is the one that's been helping the most. Yes. Doris is the beginning. I believe Doris is the one that come meets me at penitentiary, okay. yeah, yeah, penitentiary. Yeah. but Rex has been the one who has been like almost a big dad, and so to speak. I mean... Everything. I, the job that I have right now, I would never have thought I would have if it was not for Doris and Rex facilitating that also. Um, I have only been out of prison 90 days when my 30th, my I say 45 days had already got a job. And I'm not making like, you know, a little penny any money. I'm making really good, uh, really good money. I also am in over a large part of my uh, job. I have a separate entity that's all my own, which was created for me, whereas I give back to community, which is social services. I help those who have been incarcerated get jobs. And in turn, I work with Doors as well to help with jobs myself. How long have you been a part of Unlocking Doors? Uh, 90 days. It's been 90 days? Yes. Okay. It feels. It, it seems to me like you've been a part of this organization for years. Um, Like I said. Does it feel like it? I, yes. It's like family. It really is. And me, I could see uh, there's this white commissary bag that everybody carries when they get TDC. And they have this blank look on their face. And they're like, and you, t- you know they're scared. Yeah. But with uh, doors, um, I, I'll be on the train because I don't have a car yet. So I'm on the train and they're always on the train. They're always down in Dallas and I'll see them and I will bring them. If that means I got to take them or get, I, no, I normally like to drop them off. I'm like, okay, come on. You're going to go see them. And it's because I know they're going to get the best care and I know they're going to be okay. And that's the thing. I just can't do that with anybody else. Now, be honest. I cannot. I cannot say that I trust that they're going to take care of you. I can't say that, but I can say that about doors. Where are you working at now? You got a. You said you got a job. Yes, I'm working with a staffing company. Um, I am a field recruiter of social services. Um, it's still a struggle because you know my background. It, it becomes an issue, so I pretty much don't say who they are in general. But I will say that the person that gave me the chance is because it's not because of her that I don't disclose it. It's because of other people aren't are ignorant, and they assume that someone who has a background is. Uh, a liability, whereas I have become a very powerful instrument within their company. So when people don't know about your background mm-hmm. and they would never know, mm-hmm. like what is that? What does that feel like to you? Well, it's in one way it can be vindicating because you would. I know what I've done, but it doesn't define me, and I'm still just as powerful as I was before I went in. But also, it's sad to say because people are so prejudiced to it that I need you to wake up because the world itself. Felonies are people are going to have felonies as as time goes on. There's going to be more people that go in and out of jail. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to turn your back on these people? You know what I'm saying? And so I really like the fact that she took that chance with me. But I wish it was more knowledge to that just because you're in prison doesn't mean that's just who you are. And like I said, people are ignorant like that. Uh, Not everyone, but a lot of people are. So more of that catch-22, like we were talking about when you first got out, where having a parole officer doesn't sound like a great idea, but on the other hand, it is kind of a great idea. In this, 
you're proud of yourself because people don't know anything about you and they're just experiencing who you are and the great things that you do as a professional. But there's also a part of you that wants to tell people about the experience that you've gone through so that you can make sure that other people don't have to struggle the way that you have once you've been out. Yes, very much so. That's one of my biggest thing. I I said that before I came out and I, I feel like it's almost a God thing. I said before I came out, I said I wanted to help everyone that is who has been in my shoes. I want to do something to help the community. I want to do something to make a difference because you can work a job every day, but is that job really making a difference for someone? And it's like God puts you where you're supposed to be at all times. And this is where I'm supposed to be. And I do what I do with unlocking doors because it feels good. It feels right. And like I said, that's what God wants me to do. And I'm I'm really strong and backing behind it 100%. Do you feel do you feel good about your future now? Do you do you feel like do you look forward with with a more optimistic outlook? I have always been a tenacious character so to speak. <laughs> if I want, I'm going to go get it. So, but um I know that I wouldn't have got here as quickly as I again, I've only been out 90 days. I know that I wouldn't have gotten this far if it wasn't for unlocking doors. I know I wouldn't have. Um, it's just the way that they approach the situation, approach your your issues, your background and everything. And it's an individual thing. You're just not a number. You're a person. Like I said, I walk in there like I own a place. I hug everybody. I, I go in there, chill in the lounge and everything. And But, you know, essentially without them, I would not be this far. There is no way. I mean, there might be, but I don't see it. I mean, it's just clear cut. Dina Terrell is an advocate and an active yes. participant <laughs> in Unlocking Doors, their website, unlockingdoors.org. Uh, you can give them a call also at 214-296-9258. It takes a lot of courage to tell a personal story like this. Thank you. And uh, between me and you, I like your story better than Christina's. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.